Today's reading is Romans 12, 1 through 21. It can be found on page 1047 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. <coughs> if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are superior. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of the Lord. All right. This thing got caught. There we go. I invite you to pray with me. Our gracious God, as we listen to these words and as we attempt to find ourselves within them and find them within ourselves, we pray that you would meet us in this time and that you would show us your grace, that you would speak to us in a way that we are not usually spoken to, in a way that... Um, in a way that, that hits us right where we need to be, um, to be either challenged or encouraged or supported or comforted. 
And we pray that as we sit here, um, we may have a sense that you brought us here, that you have us here for a reason. It's not an accident that we're sitting here this morning hearing these things, but that it was a it has been an appointment set up by you to speak with us. And may we venture um, to hear these words humbly um, and to know that even though our lives are broken and a mess, that your love is promised and is sure through Jesus. And so that we're broken and yet loved, simultaneously sinful and forgiven. And there is power in holding those two things together. And may your spirit give them power and may it move us in a transformative way into the future. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have some, it's kind of funny because I don't know how many how many pens there are out here? It looks like there's some more pens floating around. If you need a pen, let me know. But there's actually a listening guide. So I'm going to pass out some of these. And um, I'm doing it now instead of like um, earlier it, for guilt. <laughs> to increase the level of guilt to fill it out. <laughs> here you go. I, that's right. <laughs> if I ever use guilt, I'm going to be completely upfront about it. It's never going to be passive aggressive. Need more? There's some more in the back too. There's uh, the rest of the pile. Yeah, yeah. Oh, got one. Got one. All right. Anyone here? Can you be the official hander outer? All right. Thanks, Michelle. Um. This is our, not only a listening guide, but it's the, um, we're going to have these the next two weeks as well. Youth Sunday is a new thing. First Sunday of the month, we do a listening guide. Um, and then we're also starting something new, and so we're going to have three weeks um, that have a handout like this. So, <clears throat> the, uh, the first slide here, let's see. City Life's five-year beyond-the-horizon vision. In the next five years, City Life will see a noticeable increase in people of diverse backgrounds in Sacramento desiring their own spiritual formation because they see the gospel's credibility in the lives and community of City Life Church. We've been talking about this for, um, for really almost a year is when we first came up with this statement at a retreat. So March, we started talking about this. Then November, we started working through it more deliberately. The leadership team has us, has, is leading us on this journey of um, intentionally going where God seems to be leading us as a church. I want to highlight in that statement, oops, I'm new at this whole clicker thing, the gospel's credibility in the lives and community of City Life Church. What does that mean? That's really a big, important part of that vision statement. <clears throat> really, credibility um, <clears throat> all right, I thought I had a nice little statement here to tell me what credibility is, but I don't see it here. I'll just have to wing it. 
really the idea is um, there's your friends and neighbors and, and around us in one way or another are not, are not viewing the faith that you might have or that I might have as really holding anything that matters. It's somehow disconnected from reality or from the real needs of the world or their lives. So it's not credible. And then we have objections. So this, this question of the week you saw up there, what objections to faith are you, are you hearing? Those are just, those are just um, people listing the credibility issues that they have, the, the reasons they're giving that Christianity is not credible. So some of the answers people gave last week are great, and you've heard these. Um, what objections to Christianity? It's only for people who have their act together. You guys all have your act together? Not me. It's a crutch. It's not scientific. It's outdated. There's no evidence. Um, faith is just what people go to when they get stuck trying to find answers in science. So faith is giving up. Um, some, another one is, if God was real, why would he make himself so hard to find? And then another one is, the Bible is just old Greek mythology stories with different names of characters. So, people have these things, these, these arguments, these reasons. Now, the idea of our vision statement is, how do we, as a church, make an argument without words that makes people's objections lose their power? The, you know, the idea is not that we would answer every objection, but we would simply have, have made a stronger argument with our actions. In our first 90-day focus that just comes to a close, um, in a sense, or just transitions to the next one, is uh, this, extending the heart of Jesus to one person at a time. We've been talking about that for three months. Today, we launch into a new layer that we're adding, which is finding your place. Finding your place. The focus is, where has God stationed you in his world, and what does credibility start to look like in that, in that, bless you, in that arena? Where has God stationed you in the world, and what does credibility start to look like in that arena? And I'm excited already for just some of the resonance I see in your faces that like, yeah, that seems like something to, to work on. So we have, we're actually going to focus on this for three Sundays in the sermons, an inward focus, an outward focus, and an upward focus on finding your place. <clears throat> and what I want to say about this is um, the, this 90-day focus, um, February, March, April, it will be about inviting you to ask questions, to probe, to converse, to work together, to support each other, to get to know each other better since we form a body of many parts and we need each other as we each have our God-given role. Notice I, it's not about answers. I'm not going to give the answers, but it's about beginning to ask questions and share your answers. And our scripture passage for today launches us into this focus very appropriately. I'm only really going to focus on the very beginning, the first two verses, in fact, mostly verse 2. Listen to this again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Just going to leave that slide there. So, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. If Romans 12 is right, then part of being a Christian is thinking differently about your station in life. Our minds need a full makeover, according to this passage, and it's ongoing, it's renewing. It's an ongoing thing. We're invited to be constantly honing our mental, our mental muscles to be able to spot and dismantle the intellectual scaffolding that the world around us puts up. Are you up for it? As Christians, we're often content, we're often not up for it, we're often content for, to accomplish a few scattered biblical principles while still fully adopting the world's way of thinking about the world. One common, and this is a caricature, but one common way to put this is, well, I believe in Jesus, so I have spiritual salvation, therefore all this other stuff is just busy work until I die or until Jesus comes again. Let me, let me get more specific and elaborate how this might start to connect with real lives. This idea of maybe taking a little bit of a Bible rule or here or there, but by and large living in a framework untouched by the Bible's story. I tithe 10% of my paycheck, but my career philosophy, if I was forced to articulate it, is make as much money as possible without harming others so that I set myself up for a cozy retirement. A little bit of Bible rule following in a completely... Uh, a world, a worldview untouched by the Bible. Or this, I follow a biblical sexual ethic and have technically avoided sexual participation outside of marriage, but my heart and mind are still set on finding my identity's deepest fulfillment through strong romantic connection with a spouse. I follow a biblical rule about sex, but I have not really overturned the lie of romantic fulfillment told to me by my culture. Or I take my kids to church on Sunday and maybe I say prayers at bedtime, but I haven't spent a single minute thinking about how a Christian who believes in the cross and the resurrection might actually parent their children at home differently than their non-Christian neighbor. Or I vote a certain way because of things I think Jesus teaches, but I've never explored the idea that a Christian might have to challenge some of the basic assumptions about how our hopes for the world do or do not relate to political power. Or I went into medicine out of a God-given impulse to help people, but I realize I don't have a mental structure to give me distinct footing in the complex ethical challenges of my world of patients, administrators, superiors, colleagues, and life and death medical situations. I work hard at my jobs. I do my duties faithfully and honestly, but at the end of the day, it's just a job. It's just a way to put food on the table and be, responsible, and be a responsible contributing adult. It's nothing more. 
or I pour out my energy into the needs of my kids and my home each day, I feel like I'm losing myself in the constant litany of requests. Devoid of adult conversations, my day has me longing for a career where my tasks and gifts would be acknowledged and respected in the working world. Romans 12 says, renewal of our minds, a retooling of our thinking, renewing our minds, thinking differently. The answers aren't given in advance. Each of us must bring the questions from our own arenas before we can expect to get anywhere. So part of entering into this as a community is to say we're creating, you have to engage with this in order for it to begin to happen. And so we're hoping to create safety within city life for everyone to ask questions about the arena in which God has placed you. Some people have used this helpful list to talk about the arenas. So theoretically, from where I I got this, um, theoretically all Everything any of us would do for a living or, or um, you know, including what you might have to do that's not for a living, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, all of it fits under these nine sectors, law and justice, education, service, care, philanthropy, business, commerce, technology, medicine and health, clergy, arts, agriculture and labor. Where do you fit? And really, the question starts to become, what do, we, what do, we all, what do all arenas have in common? What, what mind renewal applies to all of us? And this is where I do want to make one little inroad into beginning to sh- maybe shape our thinking and shape our, our transformation of our minds. Moving away from dualistic thinking. Moving away from dualistic thinking. Dualistic thinking is the starting point for most of us, when our scripture passage says the pattern of the world, do not conform to the pattern of this world, dualistic thinking is the pattern of this world. That's a common starting point. Dualistic uh, thinking is simply this. It's when we assume there are spiritual things and there are unspiritual things. There are spiritual realms and unspiritual realms. There are spiritual jobs and unspiritual jobs. There are spiritual activities and unspiritual activities. Dualistic thinking says there are secular jobs and there are religious jobs. There are lay persons and there are pastors. And so what, you know, what this kind of how it plays out is I do my banking over here. I do my, I raise my kids over here. I teach over here. I serve customers over here. I go to class over here. But over here, I serve God and I think spiritual thoughts. The two aren't really connected. I spend a week away from God doing unspiritual things for six days, and then I maybe come to church, and then I get my fill, I fill my spiritual tank on Sunday. The clear sense of Romans 12, this long passage that we just read, is that God and God's people are confronted moment by moment with spiritual things. Um, well-known speaker Rob Bell is the one who, who gave this talk called Everything is Spiritual. It says it all. Everything is spiritual. Time is spiritual. Matter is spiritual. So we continually put our thinking cap on as this passage is, is nudging us and reevaluate our view of all these things because they're all spiritual. And what will we be tempted to view as spiritually unimportant and mundane and too insignificant to really worry about? 
your relationship with your job, your kids, your roommates, your spouse, your parents, your neighbors, money, time, recreation, spiritual, 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 spiritual. And we use our minds to do this. We need to be reminded, we need to be retold and reinformed that the story of Jesus is a story of all things, not just some spiritual things. Let's think about that story a second. You know, how do you get away from a, a dualistic thinking is by um, remembering and renewing and refreshing your mind of the real picture of things. A world that was created, this is the real picture, a world created perfect. And then it was cracked and polluted by human sin. And the creator doesn't trash it and throw it in the, 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 the dump pile. The creator recommits to the renewal work, the fixing, a renewal project that begins really begins in full with Abram and Sarai in, in Genesis chapter 12. And eventually God himself enters into the world of flesh and blood himself, Jesus. And he becomes broken for the healing of the broken world. He becomes broken to begin to put back together. Another important thing for even for our day-to-day jobs and work and homemaking is that his broken body rises new, put together, a new body. His resurrection declares into all stations of life, all spheres of the world, let the healing of this earth begin. Let all things move in the direction of renewal and of the healing that God has in store. It's time for new creation. Dutch Christian philosopher Abraham Kuyper had a famous line, there's not one square inch in all creation about which Jesus Christ doesn't cry out, that's mine. So friends, do you sense a little bit how God might have his sights on all things? Not only the church, not just your religious deeds. And that he might see the person working in a bakery as his special customer servant service agent, helping provide people with some of the best flavors that he intended to exist in his creation. That God views the teacher or the daycare worker as his much-needed work in helping bodies... I'm sorry, I, got, I lost my place. Uh, teacher or daycare worker as the front lines of his work to see children and youth nurtured joyfully to their full developmental potential. That Jesus has commissioned healthcare workers for his much-needed work in helping bodies and minds thrive to their utmost potential as God intended for them. In the place each of us is stationed, in each sphere of creation, he continues through your hands and your feet and your bodies and your minds He continues to work on renewal, healing, and bringing about the new creation. You know, the Bible starts with creation and ends with new creation, with a new earth, cities and all. 
And part of the challenge is, and this is what, you know, you might even come back at me with if, if we were just sitting one-on-one, is that, you know, creation isn't whole, it's broken, and sometimes the flaws and the brokenness overwhelm us, right? In all kinds of ways, every sphere, every sphere of, of creation is flawed and broken and not working the way it's supposed to. Sometimes uh, things seem pointless or the wounds of the fall too deep, the homelessness too rampant, the mentally ill too far gone, technology too poisoned by greed or lust, the sexually abused too horrifyingly violated and unable to trust again, the disfigured nature of creation discourages us, it works against us. Like when my four-year-old says, Daddy, just... We could just tape it. And I say, no, this one can't be fixed. You know, that feeling like, is it too far gone? So part of this 90 days is to nurture honest conversation, to vent frustrations of your station in life and get prayer and support. Sometimes I need to hear what you see in my work. Sometimes you need to see what I see in your work. And we need to, it's a renewal of each other's minds that Romans 12 is talking about. There's a, uh, there's a great quote in your worship guide that um, goes this way. It's, a, it's from Tim Keller in his book, Every Good Endeavor. God invites us to continue his work of developing creation, to develop all the capacities of human and physical nature to build a civilization that glorifies him. Through our work, we bring order out of chaos, create new entities, exploit the patterns of creation, and intervene, interweave the human community. So whether splicing a gene or doing brain surgery or collecting rubbish or painting a picture, our work further develops, maintains, or repairs the fabric of the world. In this way, we connect our work with God's work. So take a second, and there's a question on the listening guide or a blank there that asks for your station or arena in life. It's a chance to, to put something down there. Maybe you have multiple arenas in life, but something's, one of them is rising to the surface. Where, where do you need to enter into a time of asking questions, exploring, and trying to figure out how a renewal of our minds might begin to give you a, a more open eyes um, in your day-to-day life? Where in particular for you is it time to ask questions you've never asked or is it time for you to share with us, your faith community, some of the answers and the questions that you've been sorting out for years? And maybe you just never thought of this as a place to get those out and to share those. In, uh, May, on May 19 of 1780, there was, uh, in New England, there was a, a, it was a dark day. In the middle of the day, Everything went black. And um, they, they called it New England's Dark Day. It was not a very creative name, but there you go. New England's Dark Day. And this happened, and later on, scientists would, would, would kind of figure out that maybe it had to do with wildfires up in Canada and smoke coming down and, and you know, just blanketing the sky. But it went nighttime at around noon. And uh, in Connecticut, there was, there was the Connecticut legislature that was in session when this happened. And everyone was, um, 
was theorizing and, and questioning and wondering what was going on. You know, they didn't have any of the tools we have today to figure these kinds of things out. It hit them totally off guard. And they're, they're thinking, they're saying, is it judgment day? Is Jesus returning? And they're, they're, they're saying this and they're debating this on the floor of this legislature. And then a guy named Abraham Davenport stands up and calls for more candles to be brought in. And he says, I am against adjournment. They're saying, like, maybe it's Judgment Day. We should adjourn. He says, I am against adjournment. The day of judgment is either, um, is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found at my post. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love that line. But it's also, like, it's kind of a, a picture of, you know, is that, is that a place you can kind of look to, to be in in your life right now? Right. Um, amidst the overwhelming things, amidst the, all the unanswered questions, and amidst some of the, the, the just discouragement maybe of your, your function in life right now and your station in life. Is there a sense in which, you know, how, how dark or light it might be to say, well, this is, I'm going to believe, I'm going to grab hold of, I am stationed here. And whether I can see it or not, whether I know the fruit of this or not, I'm going to continue in my post. <laughs> and believe this is part of God renewing all things. Let us pray. Our God of grace, we pray that you would give us your Holy Spirit's strength and power and energy and insight to begin a journey of, of a discovery. And as this scripture passage contained a lot of encouragement to live a stable life, it seemed like it was, it was filled with images of, and circumstances and encouragements to just... To, to take the directions in life and the turns in life that would show someone who has a strong backbone and their shoulders square and has ballast. And that comes from knowing your grace and knowing, having the confidence of the gospel in our lives. So God, I pray that you give, us, you give us that ballast and that strength to look at the world around us because we know that you have called us home and invited us into your inner circle of grace. And so, you know, all the things that might try to bash us and, and crash against us and discourage us and make us fall over, those things actually aren't going to win the day. You are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>